We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You may have noticed there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. So that can you see your coworkers cracking open at your 9 a.m. meeting? It isn't beer, it's liquid death. So why is this water called liquid death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst and their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Drinking water from a freezing cold can is actually way more refreshing than a bottle. Trust me. Plus, it is way better for the environment and the economy. They're still, they're sparkling, mango chainsaw, buried alive, and my personal favorite, severed lime. And they are now armed with three grams of agave nectar for even more brutal flavor. So I'm going to enjoy this can of lime, and you can go get Liquid Death at your local Target, Walmart, or 7-Eleven. Or you can find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. Twenty minutes a day. Three hundred and sixty-five days a year. This is the Packaday Podcast. Tuesday, November 22nd, 2022. Happy Thanksgiving week to all of our listeners here at the Pack-A-Day Podcast. And welcome to this edition. It is not a victory or a loser's Monday because the Packers played on Thursday. Uh, so I guess if you want to extend it out, you can call it a loser's Monday if you want. The Green Bay Packers lost to the Tennessee Titans 27-17, to where the vaunted passing offense led by Ryan Tannehill uh, Traylon Burks and Ross Uglum playing wide receiver were able to dot up the Packers defense for over 300 yards passing. And I mentioned I'm joined by one of those receivers right now, Ross Uglum. Ross, just I guess real quick, we can rehash that um, just a little bit. We'll get into the the positive thing that happened on Thursday night, obviously, because that's part of the brand here these days and will be as long as number nine is wearing a uniform. But just quick takeaway, if any, on on Thursday night's debacle. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's a long time ago now. Obviously, um, I think it it just, and I don't think they'll tank, right? But from a, a fan perspective, like that is the end. You know, I think you you beat Tennessee at home. Start looking at that Eagles game; like they could really be the start of something. 
Um, nothing's starting. Like they're not going to the playoffs. So uh, that was just kind of, I guess, where where my head's at after that is this is a lost uh, season. Um, you know, from the old tanking perspective, you'd, you'd like them to lose, you know, as many games moving forward. But um, th- there's also the argument that losing begets more losing and, and becomes part of the culture too. And I actually buy into that a little bit. Um, so I'll, I'll continue to cheer for the team. Um, you know, I, I think uh, draft capital is great, but uh, this team might also lose games um, trying to win them. So, so it might not make a, a huge, a huge bit of difference. Well, they've lost seven games that way already this year. And, and most, um, I don't want to guarantee anything, but I have a very difficult time thinking that the Green Bay Packers, this version is going to go into Philadelphia, a place that they've won, I believe, twice since 1960. And both of them are within the last 12 years. They won there in 2010, the Super Bowl, well, twice that year, obviously. Um, but in the regular season, in 2010, and then in 2016 to kick off the run the table uh, run. And the Eagles, uh, right there with Kansas City, as far as the best team in football, I know they're not playing the greatest brand of football recently, but they match up very well with the Packers. Uh, They have a quarterback who can really run it. A.J. Brown, who is one of the best receivers in the NFL. They've got a really smart coach who – the Sirianni thing is kind of funny just because when he had his initial presser and some of those anecdotes that came out, I was like, they hired a bumbling moron. And it's very clear, at least now, that that is not the case. It's hard to envision the Packers winning there, which puts them at four and eight, and then you go down the line, obviously – Uh, The other point, like I said, losing begats more losing. I think that's a a fair point. And I think that we've seen that kind of in action where, you know, 2018, the Packers won that game against the Jets on the road. And everybody was kind of like hemming and hawing about how, (laughs) yeah, why would they do that? And, you know, they would have picked eighth instead of 12th. And I've just basically told everybody all they would have done is just taken Rashawn Gary at eight. That's the only thing that would have changed because I uh, maybe, 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 they would have taken TJ Hawkinson. Like maybe that's something that they would have done, but I cannot imagine that they would have taken a tight end over. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But not a whole lot changes. Um, And from what we've gathered, Mike Smith said it number one on his board for edge rushers. That includes uh, Nick Bosa was Rashawn Gary. Now you can say maybe he was lying because they drafted him and you know, what else is he supposed to say, but whatever. We've seen that in action, though. And the next year, the team was was better. Uh, they had the culture change with Matt LaFleur, obviously. They learned that you don't want to go over on the road or at home, obviously. But you don't want to go over on the road. Uh, and this locker room is one where, I mean, I'm not going to speculate, but you certainly wonder how do things work with a team that's supposed to be a Super Bowl contender and then is not or are not. And they struggle and bumble down the stretch to – I mean, this is a team some people thought could go 13 and four. Now you're saying that they might go four and 13. That can have some long-term effects as well, which is kind of where we're at here. Uh, People want to start after every game the Packers lose. It's always, well, start Jordan Love. (laughs) I'm just going to, here's, here's my public service announcement to you guys. I understand kind of that thought process. The Packers cannot start Jordan Love until they are mathematically eliminated. And here's why this is not, Madden. These are actual human beings in the locker room. And that team is being told every minute of every day, Hey, we are going to win these next six games, go to the playoffs, go on a run and win the Super Bowl. And they're being told that the Cincinnati Bengals were in the Super Bowl at 10 and seven last season. That is what they're being told. 
Whether or not that's actually based in reality, who knows? It probably isn't. But teams don't think that way. And if you bench the starting quarterback, whose name is Aaron Rodgers, arguably the greatest quarterback in the history of the franchise, you are telling the other 52 players on that team, we've given up on you while there's still a chance. And that is another thing that begats more losing, more bad culture, more everything. So they are not starting Jordan Love, maybe at all, and definitely not until they're mathematically eliminated. Whether they should, I'm kind of with Ross on this. I don't really care. Um, I, <laughs> I wasn't the highest on Love coming into that draft. I've seen nothing to change my stance on that. And I'm also of the belief that Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback if he wants to play. I can't imagine a scenario where Rodgers comes to the front office and says, hey, I'm coming back. I want to play. And then to say, well, we're going to look at something else. Um, 12 months after a, what, a 20-month cycle of basically bending over backwards trying to get him to come back to the team. So I can't picture that. Um, and that's something that, you know, maybe I'm wrong on that, but I just, I don't, I don't see a scenario where Jordan Love is starting until at least after the Chicago game, which would be after the buy, and that would require the Packers to lose the next two games and actually be eliminated from the playoffs. So just real quick on that, Ross, you laughed, but can you see a scenario? No, I mean, that's my thing, and, and I've explained that, and I've, I've had arguments with other Packers fans. Like, um, I don't think Jordan Love's the guy, uh, and I get the argument. I've heard it, you know, that, that Rodgers has had how many years to bring green Bay back to a super bowl and hasn't been able to do it. But, you know, um, I was just looking at like new Orleans and some tweet from, or about something that Jameis Winston said, where he's just in agony or, or, or whatever about not being able to play over Andy Dalton. And I started thinking like, is that really what you're courting? Like, do, do you want to live that life? Do you want to live the life where your team um, has a quarterback battle between Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston. And you can replace that with like Carson Wentz or whomever, you know, whatever. Well, maybe we can fix this guy, or I bet he's still one of the best 32 starters in the league. And and maybe you really, really, really do believe in Jordan Love. I don't, you don't, we haven't. And and that's, we, we don't make the decisions, but um, the, the Packers. Well, I think it's fair to wonder if the Packers do, because if right. they did, do they give Roger, like, they could have done the old call, like give the, Hey, Hey, we tried, you know, we offered Rogers $40 million a season. He yeah. didn't, you know, he wanted a contract and we just decided it was better to part ways. If they thought love was like the real deal. And here's some revisionist history that takes place when it comes to Favre and Rogers too, because people always say like, Oh, they knew, they knew, they knew. Well, kind of if Favre never retires, he's back. And on that note in May of that year, the team was on a plane to go welcome him back to the team. Cause he said he thought he was coming back after that is when the train left the station to speak of Mike McCarthy. So I think 30, maybe 31 out of 32 teams, but most teams are going to cling to that player. The one exception, maybe being Belichick with Tom Brady, which looks like a pretty significant mistake, regardless of what you think of Brady and his total career. The right. Patriots Mac haven't Jones been in a recursive level. Matt Jones, Jones stinks. stinks. Cam, Cam Newton was bad. Like they're in Mac, purgatory. Right. Match Mac Jones stinks and Brady got another chip. And, and I still believe that Bill is the best coach of the modern era ever. Like I, despite all that, I think he's not a very good GM, but that's another 
argument for a different day. That it is. So that's the case there. Let's go to the other part of the game, which Christian Watson scored two more touchdowns. Oop. And on a play, yeah, uh, the, he played at North Dakota State. You might have heard of him. Uh, he wears number nine for the Packers now. The one play that I do want to talk about on that, because the second touchdown was a nice one, uh, but it's the first one to me. And tell me, Ross, you saw the flag for the 12 men on the field come on the play or come on the field. And as that happens, I can tell you, I'm like, okay, so this pass is going to Cobb or Lazard. Like in the past, you've always seen Rogers throwing up jump balls for Jimmy Graham, even you know, a couple <laughs> years ago, Devontae <laughs> Adams, obviously when he was here, got his fair share of those kinds of plays, but it wasn't like, Hey, I'm going to try and find a guy who's got the best matchup necessarily. I'm throwing to one of my dudes on this play to that. I really trust to kind of make this play. He threw that ball to Christian Watson. And I think that is something that is beneficial for the rest of 2022 and should Rodgers decide to play in 2023, something that benefits the team moving forward? Yeah, um, I, I, I understand that. Um, and, and I guess, you know, the biggest thing for me, too, is like it's just another it's another um, arrow in the uh, in the heart of of the MVS compers. Um, I, I, I seem to be beating that to death and maybe I am. But like that's just it's just not. It's not on. It's not on his film. It's not on his film for South Florida. It's not on his Packers film. It's not on his Chiefs film. Like that's a thing, the contested catch thing that just wasn't on Marquez's radar. Um, it's something I knew Christian could do because I'd seen him do it. And and I talked to uh, old friend Peter Bukowski about this. He he had a great line. Um, Can't is not the same as didn't. Like North Dakota State, in the time that Christian was there had Trey Lance, who's probably the greatest red zone threat in the history of FCS football, or one of them. <laughs> Trey, I mean, you've seen literally the 49ers use him as a running red zone threat. What do you think he looked like against James Madison and Northern Iowa and Missouri State? What do you think that looked like? Um, ben Ellison, who is now with the, the uh, uh, Minnesota Vikings, I believe has NDSU's record for touchdowns for a tight end, played every year with Christian. So – this was just not a human that scored from any closer than like 50 yards out. And that's no, that's no disrespect to Christian. It's just that North Dakota state, the way they ran the ball and the way that um, the, their tight ends were successful in the red zone, like a goal line fade to, to C-Dub was just not on the menu. It, it, and it wasn't necessary, obviously. It shouldn't be quite frankly so, with, with the way you're talking about the way that they can play offense. Like, so, but I knew he, I knew he could do it because I had seen it. You know, Ken, mm -hmm. like I said, Ken is not the same as – or can't is not the same as didn't, you know. And um, his contested catch ability, um, his strength, his play strength, man. I know, um, you know, that there have been drops. Like, that's not lost on anyone who has ever talked about Christian Watson. It, it, it's, it's honestly been discussed as ad nauseum. But with that said um, – when he he can make unbelievable plays on the football, as we have seen over and over again um, in his tape at, at North Dakota State, and and now finally with uh, with NDSU, he makes very impressive catches. Will he drop one that you probably think he should have had? Yeah, he will. But um, man, that that ability to just moss somebody like that—that's a, a special trait, and that is something that. I don't know if he's ever going to be a top 10, top 11, top 12 wide receiver in this league. 
Um, but he can be a top 32, and that's what that's what a WR1 is. And if you have two of those guys or three of those guys, now you're actually getting closer to what the Rodgers teams have always been at their best. Like people will maybe argue that at times Jennings or, or, or Nelson were a top four, top five wide receiver in the league, but it was always having like four guys that were twos or better. You know, it was having multiple, multiple threats that – by the time you got to the other team's fourth corner or the other team's nickel, they were the other team was just hosed. They just they couldn't swing it. They couldn't they couldn't win the matchup. If your stud corner kicked inside to mess with Jennings, well then Jones and Nelson were going to beat you over the top. And I think Christian can be a Jones Nelson type of player. Yeah, and it makes sense. I mean, you're starting to see some of those things. I think you know some of the stuff that's going quote poorly with him the last couple of weeks is just going to be a, a byproduct until he gets more experience of playing in the national football league. And that's what one of the positives, there aren't many in a four and seven season, but a positive that you can have down the stretch is they can give opportunity. Like, you know, Matt LaFleur was talking uh, Friday, I believe about having to get more opportunities for Samari Toure. Uh, well, that applies to the other young players as well. Like Sammy Watkins, any route he runs between now and January is a waste of a waste of a rep. And that's not meant to be, you know, Sammy Watkins is at a nice NFL career. He just doesn't have it anymore. And this team isn't going anywhere. So relying on his veteran presence, isn't that big of a deal anymore. And the same, honestly, can be said to a lesser degree about Alan Lazard. You know, if Romeo Dobbs is able to come back, I think that a vast majority of your reps should be going to those three rookies, especially as we get down the stretch here. And that is something to, to keep an eye on as this team progresses into what is like you said, a lost season that, uh, I mean, you know, you're, you're probably looking at, they're not finishing four and 13. I feel very confident in saying that they'll find their way into a win against Detroit or Minnesota, not playing for anything or, Chicago in a couple of weeks or, you know, something they'll find something the Rams look terrible. Like, I mean, there are some bad teams left on, on the schedule and maybe some teams with nothing to play for uh, moving into some of the other stuff is because now the question is what are the questions that need to be answered? Cause everything that the Packers should be doing now uh, is with an eye on 2023 or maybe not quite everything. Cause we just talked about how they shouldn't start Jordan love, but that's, that may not even be a thing for 2023 anyways. So you know, that that's a separate rabbit hole. We don't need to go down there. Let's start on defense because I think the easiest scapegoat, and you can call it that if you want, I'm not saying it's an undeserved firing by any stretch of the imagination either, is Joe Barry and, and his entire coaching staff. Now, what I've said in recent memory is that firing Barry makes sense. The Packers defense has quote unquote improved to 19th and defensive DVOA. We'll see how that goes through the rest of the year as they are more injured, playing poorly guys, check out stuff like that. Um, we'll see how the rest of that goes. That being said, they're not as good as they should be. Uh, they're not as good as they were touted to be. Um, and to me, I've said it doesn't even, it doesn't need to just start and end with the coordinator. I wouldn't be opposed to like an entire house cleaning on that side of the ball. And, you know, you talk about bringing in whoever that new coordinator is and just letting him decide, yeah, I'll keep this guy. Don't need that guy. Don't need that guy. Got one of these. Um, you can stay, I suppose, kind of thing. What's your take? Not Because your opinion on Barry is very – it's memed at this point. I always am ready for whenever they give up a first down on third and seven, 
with corners playing 12 yards off the ball. I'm always, I'm always ready for the Joe Barry and the Rams long sleeve shirt uh, photo to emerge onto my Twitter timeline. And usually it does. Um, but what's your take on just kind of that staff as a whole, as we get through the rest of the year? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think I'll be honest. I would, I would absolutely just, I don't understand why they did what they did in the first place. And, and that's, this is, this is more by the way, than just um, th- this is more than just I don't understand why they hired Joe Barry. I've had that conversation. Like I, you don't need that anymore from me. You, you know what I mean? Um, so my my question is truly now at this point, why in the world was Barry not allowed to hire his own staff, or why didn't he hire his own staff? I don't I don't understand that. Um, I would absolutely not for any reason retain him. I think it was a dumb hire in the first place. I think Matt's hiring can be called like there are a lot of things that I wouldn't question. And I absolutely want Matt LaFleur to continue as the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. I think any conversation to the contrary is just silliness at this point and chasing whatever. (laughs) I don't know, but, um, the, the new coordinator on the defensive side of the ball. And I, I don't think he necessarily needs to retain Visaccia either um, though. Things have been, I don't know, slightly better. <laughs> yeah. They're 29th in special teams DVOA. They were 32nd last year. I looked that up today. So, I mean, the bang for your buck certainly isn't there. Maybe the Packers always knew that was going to be a two-year project or something on special teams, but I have, I think, the, and we'll get to special teams, but there are certainly some questions that are fair about, Bisaccia and and how the Packers have approached special. Right, and if, if you're just talking about like if you're just talking about um, DVOA stuff, like he's always been an average. You know, his teams have always been average. His special teams units have always been average: fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth, fifteenth, whatever. So, and, and and granted, I think the Packers are probably playing in the Super Bowl last year if they're special teams is 15th in the league and not 32nd but at the same time what are you paying for like you said i mean this guy's not achieving that so what are we really talking about yeah and some of that goes to personnel uh some of that goes to personnel you've got i said today earlier today the packers there's four major components to special teams that everybody can look at because gunners and different positions can be interchangeable throughout the course of the year, the roster turnovers and stuff like that, you know, guys are just going to be rotated in and out, but snapper punter kicker and returner. The Packers may not be in a good spot for any of those positions going into 2023. Mason Crosby kicking the ball off looks old and cold. Pat O'Donnell has struggled as the weather has turned. The snapper position has been a comedy of errors for what feels like the last couple of years. And Coco, like Crosby had a kick blocked on Thursday night, and it was because Coco snapped the ball terribly. And the returner position has been talked about a bunch because Amari Rogers couldn't hold on to the football. And that's the part where the Bisaccia thing gets a little frustrating because Bisaccia kept vouching for him. And Bisaccia kept throwing him out there. This is a guy who's supposed to be like a hard ass who's supposed to like you know, he'll, he'll hold players accountable, but he'll also love you like on the side and everything like that. And they put Amari Rogers back there until he nearly cost the team the season. Like, honestly, if the 
if the Cowboys don't blow a 14 point lead, we are circling Amari Rogers as the turning point of that game in the end of, cause green Bay is now four and eight. If that happens and the entire season basically ended because Amari Rogers couldn't hold on to a punt and he hadn't been able to hold on to a punt. And that goes back to, to Gutekunst where you talk about, okay, he signed Pat O'Donnell. Maybe Bisaccia had some influence over that, but that hasn't gone particularly well. He rostered Amari Rogers, which, okay, maybe you don't want to give up on a third round pick after just one season and a preseason. But the next time that Amari Rogers to me, looks like an NFL player will be the first one. So that's a struggle. Mason Crosby is a guy who maybe you held on to a little bit too long. And the long snapper position, just like, I'm not a general manager. And thank your guys' lucky stars that I am not, because I would be terrible at it, because Brett Favre would have been the quarterback until he didn't want to be any longer. And just there's a lot of different examples of that. I don't understand how it's so damn difficult for Green Bay to find a consistent long snapper. And maybe other teams have these issues. I certainly am not scouting 32 long snappers in the NFL, but I don't know how they can't figure out how to get that one right. And, you know, Gutekunst, when you talk about the returner position, that's one that hasn't really been figured out. The best returner that he has rostered is Tyler Irvin, who was passable. And I believe now is out of the NFL. And that's something that, you know, Green and it shouldn't be this difficult to figure out some things like that that are on the smaller side of things because the bigger things, which we've talked about a bunch, are hard enough to figure out. And there's plenty of those to go along as well. Let's stay on defense uh, to go to our next topic here because it's not just the staff. You know, we've talked about it. Maybe the coaching staff changes things, but I think if anything that can be gleaned is that changing the coordinator isn't a fix-all. And special teams, I think, is an example of that because they've gone from, like I mentioned, 32 to 29. And maybe they'll be better next year. Who knows? Maybe Bisaccio will have the opportunity to do that. Maybe he won't. I don't know. Anything is on the table at this point. But on the personnel side of things, Ross, I mean, Rashawn Gary is their best player. And he's injured. Who knows when he's going to be back. Jair Alexander's not playing. He's playing well, but he's not playing like the best corner in football, which is what he's being paid to be. We've talked about Devondre Campbell and Rasul Douglas a bunch. Kenny Clark is a shell of himself. Just what's your confidence level moving forward and not just the personnel that's on the team, but they're going to have to rebuild some of these positions. We talked about safety prior to the show. Defensive line, Jerron Reed, one-year contract. Dean Lowry's on an expiring contract, or at least he's a cuttable contract at the end of the year. One of those two things. They don't have outside of, you know, Enigbari has been a nice player, but the pass rush room needs help. They've got some issues on that side of the ball on a personnel standpoint as well. Beer in the water section. You've piqued my interest liquid death. Okay. So it's not actually beer. It's mountain spring water from the Alps, but it sure as heck looks like a beer when you first see it. And it should pique your interest too, because Liquid Death is the incredible new product that looks like a can of beer, but is actually water that comes in sparkling still and three delicious flavors. We've been downing can after can of Liquid Death at my house, and everyone's always interested. What are you drinking? What is that? Did Xaver just drink a beer? It's been downright fantastic. And best of all, the water is actually incredible. Listen, I am not a water guy, and sparkling water never really did it for me, but even I can't get enough of the lime liquid death, which we have been going through like crazy. So it's fun, it's delicious, and it's actually better for the environment because you aren't adding more plastic bottles to your local landfills. I love 
the tall boys of liquid death. And I know you're going to as well. If you haven't checked them out yet, you should probably fix that right now and get to a store immediately. You can find liquid death at your local Woodman's 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash pack a day. That's liquiddeath.com slash pack a day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. They, they for sure do. You know, I think um, I, I'm, I'm certainly in no way, shape, or form ready to make any declarations about Devontae Wyatt. I love them coming into the draft. Understand he's an older player. Why isn't he successful as a rookie? Still a rookie defensive lineman. They almost never succeed. Um, still excited for his future. Uh, Kenny Clark's too young to be washed. <laughs> so I would guess that we find out at the end of the season about some lingering injury that he played with instead of getting fixed or, or something along those lines. I think the kid's like 25. I can't imagine he or 27 or something. I can't. Like I said, I can't imagine he's lost a step. I don't think he's, he's washed. Um, but, yeah, you know, you're definitely concerned, I think, about um, the edge position. I think, you know, you have two starters moving forward long-term in Gary and Enigbare. I think that's very exciting. But you got to have more depth than that. And they, the, the, two, the position that has always been kind of the issue is defensive line. I mean, they, they, yeah, if I could be excited about Wyatt, that's fine. But – Man, you look at the more successful defenses in this league, and and it's a bunch of guys up front that can really wreck you. Um, I really enjoyed, and I know that Green Bay had a lot of success against the, them. But watching uh, Dan Quinn's Dallas defense do what they did to Minnesota was super fun. Uh, the amount of guys that they have that can create matchup problems, and um, you know it's complimentary football, which the Packers haven't been playing as much too. Dallas jumped way out ahead and 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 started you know, there are multiple guys that can get to the quarterback, started teeing off on an offensive line that couldn't block. That's a, that's a different vibe altogether too. You know, when you're, when the other team can run and you have Joe Barry as your coordinator, the other team will run because you're, you're down seven, you're not up 10. So um, like I said, it's, it's all complimentary football, but roster wise, I don't, I don't think there's any real reason to panic. Um, you, you can be excited about Quay. You can be excited about Kingsley. I do think that they'll need to figure something out at safety. Um, I, I don't know that Amos and Rudy Ford, Rudy Ford would need another contract are, are the long-term answer. I think you can be, you know, pretty, pretty well set at corner um, with Rasul on a long-term deal, Ja on a long-term deal and Stokes on a rookie deal. 
you get someone who can actually coach in there. Those those corners are fine, and that's an important thing to have to have just to be able to start with Anigbare and Gary and three corners that you think don't stink. That's an exciting place to start roster wise. Well, and the other good news, if you want to look at it, and I know some of you will probably roll your eyes at this, but if Green Bay's picking in the top, you know, 10, 12, 15 ish, they've got a shot at a blue chip type edge rusher. You know, I don't think they're going to be high enough to get a guy like Will Anderson out of Alabama, but that's something that certainly will, and this is a draft conversation, but will and should be on the table. And if Green Bay's picking in the top 10, I can promise you every single thing that you read from a national standpoint is going to say, well, Quentin Johnson. Jordan Addison, USC and, and TCU, respectively, for, for those two gentlemen. Jordan Addison would be so sick. Sorry. And, and it would. And, and I'm not saying I'm against that idea, but I, I also don't think that the Packers just need to go, okay, the season failed, they lost Devontae, so just take a first-round pick at receiver and, and let's roll with it. If one of those guys is there and that's the best player, sure. But otherwise, you know, Green Bay's got some questions moving forward on their offensive line. They've got some questions moving forward on their defensive front. Uh, and we just talked about the safety position. You know, there's a lot of questions that Green Bay needs answered before the end of the year, before we even start talking about that. But I can promise you, like I said, as soon as the season ends, people are just going to start linking those top receivers to Green Bay. Maybe they will. No, I don't think Gutekunst is opposed to it. Obviously, they famously tried to trade for Christian Watson to be pick number 32. Minnesota wouldn't do that because they didn't want him to have the fifth-year option. But that is something that Green Bay did try to do which would have been a quote-unquote first-round receiver. Uh, I just don't think that that has to be the way things go. But then you start talking about the offense, and okay, so as far as explosive players, and that's something I think the Packers lack pretty significantly. Um, you know, They don't have a tight end that I think can make a play with the ball in his hands after the catch. Robert Tunyon may not be here next year. Josiah DeGuara is like a 20-snap per game. I think Andy Herman worded it that way. 20-snap per game player. He's a nice enough piece, nothing special. Aaron Jones might not be here next year. A.J. Dillon's not an explosive runner. He's not going to you know, take a five-yard run and make it a 45-yard run. That's just not his game. Al Lazard might not be here. So you feel good about Christian Watson being an explosive player and maybe Romeo Dobbs. But I think Green Bay has a severe need for an influx of just playmaking at all three skill positions, running back, receiver, and tight end and some of that explosion stuff like we mentioned ross we kind of you've said on here before you would have just given aaron jones's job to kylan hill kylan didn't get cut for performance reasons he got cut for other reasons per matt lafleur so that just took another guy off of the potential 2023 roster that can make plays with the ball in his hands am i talking crazy or like does this team really have i mean they have some nice players don't get me wrong on that i just don't think they have enough guys that can catch a slant for seven yards and make it a 17 yard gain. It just hasn't happened that much for them this year. No. And that's, I mean, that's kind of been their MO under LaFleur, right? Is even Devonte Adams. I don't think anybody would, would have called him explosive. Like he was a very, 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 very good football player, but he wasn't taking a tunnel screen 80 yards like Jalen Waddle with Tyreek Hill. And that's not to even say that either of those players are better now than Adams was in his prime. But you saw even that, I, I keep going back to it, the playoff loss to the 49ers. You lose MVS and there becomes a shell over your offense. This year you lose Christian Watson. There's a shell over your offense. Believe you me, 
even the people that call him a go ball guy and a gadget guy, even when he was that, that offense worked way better when he was available than when he has not been available. And adding a second human being that can do stuff like that would be a, a, a big deal. You know, I, I think um, Dubs, Aaron Jones gave him the Devontae comp. I think that's the kind of player that he could be if everything goes perfectly to plan, which is a guy who can make a ton of plays for you, uh, a, a guy who's capable from, from downtown, if you will, but not someone you want there constantly. Um, and, and just a guy that can really be counted on to be a huge part of your offense. I think you, may, you talk about what I was you know, discussing earlier with the, the great Packer offenses of old. I think he can absolutely be on the level of a Jordy or the level of a Jones the same way that um, you know Christian can be. They'll do it in a different way. But as far as the word explosive – I don't know that that's dubs, you know, maybe on a couple of vertical routes, he, he was a, a deep threat to a decent degree in college, but um, certainly not as a yak guy. He's, he's functional in yak, but he's not elite. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, neither back is, is explosive though. You will see Aaron Jones with some agility stuff and with some patience stuff uh, do some special things, you know, occasionally, but yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think ju- just because you have Watson on the roster, I don't think um, the you know the idea that you can't add a game breaker or that 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 is some sort of box that you have checked. No, I'm with you. I'm I'm good on that. Yeah, and that includes the others. But like you know, you didn't mention the tight ends, but you know they don't have. And I'm not saying that they got to find Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey's one of one. But is there a guy who? You know, Robert Tunyon, if he catches a five-yard pass, it's a five-yard completion. You know, maybe six if he falls forward, but there's no there's no play after the catch for him. There is no stretching the seam. You know, can you find that next version of that? And some of the tight ends that they've brought in just haven't been able to do that for, you know, whatever reason or another. Or they've drafted guys that aren't really tight ends when you talk about just like say, in that way. Some draft capital on an actual tight end wouldn't kill them. Now, I if I see Michael Mayer mock to them one more time, I think I'm going to cry. Oh, that's going to happen. Um, and and the that's the last thing they need is a Notre Dame tight end. The last, <laughs> and I, I am the number one guy who yells about helmet scouting. I understand how hypocritical this take is, but like, how many times do we have to see the Notre Dame tight end that won't actually be a matchup problem in the league drafted to be a matchup problem in the league? Well, I don't even have to go that route. I can go the the Morley route since he's not here. Is he listed a group of tight like TJ Hawkinson was supposed to be this generational tight end prospect, and he's fine. fine. <laughs> he's fine. fine, and he and as the eighth overall pick, he's fine. Like that's the that's the problem. Is you know you're talking about Michael Mayer. Say Green Bay's drafting fifteenth, he's fine. You know, if Green Bay were to get maybe an extra first round pick and they use that as a bonus pick, teams I think do do that. For example, like when Jacksonville had two first round picks and the first one was Trevor Lawrence, I think they just part of it was they took ETN because they knew Trevor Lawrence was comfortable with him, obviously having played together. And you get the, well, we already had one first round pick, so we can use this one as kind of a bonus. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I do think some teams do do that. That being said, Green Bay getting another first round pick is going to require them trading Aaron Rodgers, in which case, you know, there's a lot more things 
to talk about there. But I do think that you're, you know, Travis Kelsey wasn't a first round pick. George Kittle wasn't a first round pick. Mark Andrews wasn't a first round pick. The five games of Darren Waller you get every year that are really good that he was not a first round pick. You know, I think green Bay could take their shots on, you know, athletic traits in the later rounds. And, and, and it has stung, you know, the Jay Sternberger pick stings because Gutekunst said coming into his second season, they viewed him as a matchup problem. He wasn't, he's not in the NFL anymore. Um, Josiah DeGuar, like you mentioned, not, not an actual tight end. Tyler Davis is a special teamer. If that Robert Tunyon, just not a guy I think needs to be back in 2023. The same probably true for Mercedes Lewis. And sadly, Tunyon, I mean, the play that you're – it's funny, the play that – and I'm not necessarily trying to even argue with you, but, like, the play that you're talking about, he was making that play while he blew his knee out. Yes. The sweet yak play, the explosive, he was literally making that play. And I think that – I mean, I'm not opposed to adding another tight end, but, man – if I could do it for no money, I would bet on a Robert Tunyon ACL second year removed season. And those are the kinds of bets they're going to have to make and bets they're going to have to be better at in 2023 than they were in Because one of those bets they made at receiver, for example, was Sammy Watkins. And Watkins yeah. had one nice game against Chicago. And I honestly don't know if he's caught a pass since. Um, I'm joking, but also maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. You know. That's something where it's it's a struggle because I think Green Bay has personnel issues on the defensive side of the ball still. But their offense, man, I feel like they need an influx of, like I said, I think that's going to be like my buzzword, I guess, for the you know the rest of the season and the offseason is explosive playmakers. Guys that you can throw the ball to for five yards and it turns into 15. And I know Debo Samuel is one of one, but Green Bay doesn't have a guy like that. You know, Randall Cobb, is, is a nice player. Randall Cobb's still actually a useful player. Like if he comes back in 2023, I'm fine with that. Of the receivers with expiring contracts, that's probably the one I would prioritize even over Lazard, who I think is a nice player and try and find, you know, can you find a guy in the fourth or the fifth round that you take as the guy to groom and, and replace Amari Rogers? You know, do you move up? The third round picks are, are, trade pieces for either draft capital to move up or for veteran players until further notice. That is my policy. I have enacted and Brian Gutekunst, since you're listening to the show, listen to me. But I think that's the case where green Bay has got to find ways to make offense a lot easier. And especially true. This is especially true. If Matt LaFleur is going to continue to concede his offense to the quarterback. And, and I'm not saying those two are fighting. I'm not saying they hate each other. I'm not saying anything stupid like that, but it's very clear that those two have a different vision for how offense is supposed to be run. And, and if Rogers is going to be allowed to run his style of offense, then you need three, four five guys. Like you talked about just a little bit ago, Ross, you need guys like that. They didn't need guys like that in 2020 when they ran Matt LaFleur's offense, because having a speed guy, like MBS and just having him run deep balls and crossers that opened things up. You obviously have Devonte. You have an elite running game with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams that particular season, but they don't have like, and even, and I love Aaron Jones. I do, but I watch Dallas play yesterday and Tony Pollard scores a touchdown on a wheel route. And that's a play that Aaron Jones doesn't make for whatever reason because he can't catch the ball over his shoulder. He is not what I call a natural passing game player. 
as a running back. He has to catch everything with his hands up, uh, which makes things harder. Uh, it is a example. You go back to that Niners playoff game, his big play, if Rodgers can put it over his shoulder and Jones makes a catch, he might score. Now he might probably maybe should have scored anyways, but him having to slow down and make the catch with his hands up, that's just a byproduct of him being asked to do something he's maybe not the, the best at. And we're talking about it when you talk about guys that can score from 30 yards out. The Packers have two of those guys. Christian Watson's one of them. Aaron Jones is the other one. And Aaron Jones is very likely, I don't want to say very likely, but it is very possible that he'll be a cap casualty because he's slated to make $20 million next season. And I can't envision, but maybe I'm wrong. I can't envision the Packers giving him what would amount to essentially a third contract because they would have to give him an extension to break up that money accordingly. And if that happens, Ross, you're going to have an aneurysm, right? Yeah. I, I mean, um, love the player, you know, uh, and, and obviously whatever happened with Kylan Hill was not acceptable, but, um, you know, I, I definitely made the point that I don't know how much different last year would have gone with, AJ Dillon and Kylan Hill as your two tailbacks, you know, um, I, and, and obviously Kylan Hill shredded his knee in Arizona, but I, I would not take the approach that they have taken with running backs or frankly, inside linebackers moving forward. Yeah. And I don't necessarily agree that the offense wouldn't have been different with those two guys. We'll never know, obviously, because that changes things fundamentally, but you know, the other reality is Jones is getting up there in age for running backs. He's taken quite a few carries, a lot of hits, uh, and he's been good this year. I don't think Aaron Jones has been great this year, and sometimes that's a sign of – and, you know, I know that people will be arguing that that's because Green Bay didn't get him the ball enough, he doesn't have enough opportunities, and all this stuff, and I understand that. But I just don't think that – you cannot build, in my opinion – your entire offense around Aaron Jones, the way you theoretically can with someone like Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, prime Ezekiel Elliott, guys like that, where it's just, okay, we're going to line up and we're going to run it. We're going to give this guy 30 touches, 20 carries, 10 receptions, 25 and five, whatever way you want to split that up. They can't do that with him. Uh, and that's the problem. One of the problems moving forward is that I don't know if he's going to be here. And if he, if he's not, then how does Green Bay start? Because Patrick Taylor is a guy. Tyler Goodson, I don't think, is anything special as a practice squad player. They just don't have guys back there that can, you know, make a guy miss. One of the things that made Aaron Jones special, especially, you know, 2020, 2021, 2019, making those safeties miss, splitting the safeties. His long touchdown in 2020 against Detroit is a good example of something like that. They don't have guys like that. And that'll be interesting. Um, there's a lot of, this is what four and seven does. There's a lot of stuff that's in flux, a lot of stuff that's not right. And we'll have this mostly an off season topic, but let's be honest guys. I mean, what do you want me to come on here and say, I think the Eagles are going to win 37 to 17 because that's realistically what my pick is for Sunday. Like, do you really want me to break that game down and try and give you what I've deemed false hope for green Bay to win? Because I don't know, like now, especially yesterday, they slowed down after the first series, the Eagles slowed down Jonathan Taylor and it was supposed to be that you could run on the Eagles. Well, I don't know if you can do that anymore. Linville Joseph and, and Domicong Sue both made an impact in their first game back. Hassan Reddick, Robert Quinn, 
Brandon Graham. They've just got dude like they can get after the quarterback. Darius Slay is a really good corner. James Bradbury is a really good corner. Chauncey Gardner Johnson's having a great season. And then that doesn't even get to the more problematic side, in my opinion, where Green Bay's got to slow down Jalen Hurts throwing the ball to AJ Brown and Devontae Smith and Miles Sanders running the ball with Jalen Hurts part of the running game too. So I guess I could break that down for you, but I think that you guys might find this more interesting. Ross, I, you tend to be optimistic. Is there any reason for optimism for you going into Sunday night? Um, I mean, I think I would, I would, I would disagree with whatever you just said from a spread perspective. Like I think they'll compete. They usually compete. Um, certainly we go back to the bills game. They competed. But I, I don't think they're going to win. I don't, and I don't know that I want. You know, I don't think you want them to win necessarily. This is one, one of those games where they might as well drop it. Um, I, 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 yeah, I, I don't have a ton for you. Um, I, I don't think that this was. You know, this is even when we had relatively optimistic hopes for this team. I think this was one where you, uh, especially if you started to believe in Jalen Hurts at all this was one you kind of circle and it's like, ah, that like, I thought they'd go 12 and five. I'm not going to hide from that. Um, so if you think, if you're thinking they're going 12 and five, well, this is probably one of the five in my head, you know? Yeah. I had them at 11 and six, and this was one of the games I did have them dropping. Um, you got to lose six games somewhere. And this felt, you know, again, it's a, it's a tough place to play. It's a place green Bay hasn't played that well, historically, how much that matters. We'll see. I can promise you the offseason stuff, it's it's going to be fun once we get there because of the setup that Green Bay has. There will be plenty of intrigue. And like you said, we're looking at a top 16 pick, most likely, barring something you know dramatically changing. But that is all we have for today's version of the Pack-A-Day podcast. Follow it, like, subscribe, review, at Pack-A-Day podcast. You can follow Ross. He's at Ross Uglum. And you can follow me. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. We will be back next Monday as the Packers – We'll have taken on the Philadelphia Eagles and we'll be working into Chicago week to take on the Chicago bears. So thank you guys for listening. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy your time with your families, the day off work at nothing. If nothing else, I certainly hope that you guys get that on uh, a shorter week as we get closer to uh, November, December football, which yeah, maybe the Packers stink, but November and December football is the best. Enjoy the rest of the, the week and enjoy the rest of your guys' time that you guys have. Uh, going on this week. We'll see you then uh, after the Packers take on the Eagles. See you then.